I'm Chuck Smith with Smith Farms in Greenville, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello Texas, we are once again locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the Texas cotton crop continues to struggle. Now, belt-wide, cotton conditions look pretty good, but when you look at the Texas cotton crop, we've got half of the crop rated poor to very poor, and that's dragging down nationwide cotton ratings. We'll have more on that story coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State, and we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Some of the corn in Texas High Plains fields is encountering a problem this season, roots that are not deep enough. I'm James Hunt and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. Fall cover crops can help to control erosion and add nitrogen into the soil. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more with an AgriLife specialist on Texas Ag Today. And it is time for the annual Texas A&M Beef Cattle Short Course. We'll check in with the coordinator of the Beef Cattle Short Course coming up in today's show. We'll have all of that, plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The condition of the Texas cotton crop took a big drop in the latest crop ratings. USDA's Brad Rippey says the Texas crop is dragging the condition of the entire U.S. crop down. The big story of the week for cotton, big decline in Texas cotton condition week over week. So that has taken the national number of good to excellent rating for cotton and dropped it to 41%, down five points from last week's 46%. And then a corresponding jump in the very poor to poor ratings, 31% this week, up seven points from last week's 24%. Of course, driving the national number is Texas. A week ago, cotton in Texas, 40%, very poor to poor. The number this week is 50%. Jeff Nunley, executive director of the South Texas Cotton and Grain Association, says the season started off well there, but it's gone downhill fast. Our crop is suffering because of the high temperatures we've had since uh, about a month worth of really extreme heat in South Texas. We were off to a rough start because it was dry when we started planting, and we got about a month and a half worth of really good rains that almost in places too much. So we had some fields that were waterlogged, and it turned off hot and dry, and some of the growers were like, well, this is good because our cotton's recovering from the rain, and things were looking really good. And then it just stayed hot and stayed dry. Nunley says he's seen a lot of South Texas cotton blooming early, and if the heat and dryness continues, he expects an average to below average crop. 
Two of the three winners of the National Sorghum Foundation scholarships this year are from Texas. The National Sorghum Foundation has awarded two Texas college students with $4,500 scholarships to support their educational pursuits. Shin Myat Naing, a junior at Texas Tech University, is pursuing a double major in agricultural and applied economics and general business. She is studying sustainable innovations for food production and distribution. Clayton Roy Elbel is pursuing his master's degree in agricultural economics and public policy at Texas A&M University. He plans to pursue a career focused on agricultural policy with a focus on international trade and global development. The third scholarship winner is Landon Trout. He is from Western Kansas and studying at Kansas State University. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The U.S. House passed a resolution that would nullify the Endangered Species Act listing of the lesser prairie chicken. The U.S. Senate passed the resolution back in May. However, it is expected that the president will veto the measure, and there are not enough votes in Congress to override that veto. Some of the corn in Texas High Plains fields are encountering a problem this season. James Hunt tells us the roots aren't deep enough. When the Texas High Plains finally got good rains back in May and June, much of the region went from having very little moisture in the ground to suddenly having full soil moisture profiles. Unfortunately, some area corn might not be able to get the entire benefit of that moisture this season. Texas A&M AgriLife agronomist Jordan Bell describes the problem as shallow-rooted fields. What we are seeing in some areas where producers started irrigating early, even though they had the the deeper soil moisture, is that the roots are not extending downward and taking advantage of that deeper water. And so now that we are reaching this hotter part of the season, we don't have the deeper rooting depth to utilize that soil water. And that's simply because a plant is not going to expend any energy that it does not have to. If it thinks that it's receiving water, whether it's from rainfall or soil moisture or irrigation, it's going to maintain roots within that zone. And so what we see if we start irrigating early is that the plant is very content. We have good soil moisture, the plant's receiving irrigation, and so it's not going to chase that water deeper down in that profile. And because of that, later in the season, when the crop water demand increases, now the plant doesn't have the root system to utilize that deeper moisture. Without access to deeper moisture, Dr. Bell says large portions of cornfields can be left exposed to the harm of hot dry weather for long periods of time, given that many center pivots can take a week or more to make a full pass. It's a situation that Dr. Bell says underscores the importance of irrigation timing and management. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Fall cover crops can help to control erosion and add nitrogen to the soil. Tom Nicoletti has more. Fall cover crops can present challenges as well as provide benefits to the environment. Dr. Jake Maurer is associate professor with the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service in College Station. Cover crops is something that uh, a lot of other states have adopted and uh, greater rates on more acreage than Texas has. Doesn't mean it's not applicable to Texas, but we've uh, had some constraints in making it really work out successfully for us without subsidies. That means we've got some challenges in doing the research that's going to help our farmers out, and we've been doing it. There are many benefits to cover crops. So you can attract pollinators, attract other beneficial insects. You will definitely 
control erosion of your soil. That's your soil. Keep it on your land. We see that legumes deposit nitrogen. And again, with fertilizer prices being at what they are, this is a great, comparatively inexpensive way to put nitrogen in the soil. And then other benefits in the soil, including infiltration, keeping the rainfall that comes on your property and not down in the nearby creek. And uh, one of the most interesting things out of my research over the last couple of years has been that cover crops can recover phosphorus out of the soils and particularly in blackland soils that are challenged with inefficiencies in chemical phosphorus fertilizer use some of these cover crops can actually pull that out of the soil and hold it keep it in play so that your cash crop benefits from less required inputs of phosphorus chemical fertilizer at the time they get planted what are the best cover crops that farmers should plant for the fall grasses are going to be uh, cereal rye oats wheat also we like for legumes Austrian winter peas work really well. That is Dr. Jake Maurer. He's with the Texas AgriLife Extension Service. I'm Tom Nicoletti for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. It is time for the annual Texas A&M Beef Cattle Short Course, one of the largest beef cattle educational events in the nation. It runs Monday through Wednesday on the Texas A&M campus in College Station. And to talk more about it, we're visiting with Dr. Jason Clear. He's the coordinator of the event Dr. Clear, what kind of crowd are we expecting at this year's Beef Cattle Short Course? Yeah, I think we've uh, uh, we're we're inching back towards uh, our pre-COVID levels, and uh, as we look at our registration stuff now, I think we're going to end up with somewhere close to 1,900 folks on campus in person, and then we'll have another uh, nearly 200 more that are going to be uh, logging in virtually for the conference on the virtual side of it as well. So it's. Uh, going to be a great uh, great crowd this week uh got a great trade show as well the biggest trade show we've ever had about 160 different vendors from across the state uh and the nation and so it's been a, been a lot of interest in it and dr clear i hear every year that this is the biggest the premier beef cattle educational event in the country that's right. We, uh, as far as our sheer, uh, the uh, scope of the educational program, we've got uh, about 25 different concurrent sessions that go on during the two and a half days. And just the sheer attendance when we think about how many people that come to attend the Beef Cattle Short Course. And we're, we're strictly education. Well, in addition to that education, we'll feed them well. Of course, our Texas Aggie Prime Rib Dinner. And there's a lot of fellowship that goes on during that two and a half days as well. So uh, just a big event with a lot of things going on. Well, I know it's kind of last minute, but can someone still show up and attend or attend online? Absolutely. Our our virtual will be uh, open uh, through the conference, and it's $160 if they want to just log in. And if you want to attend in person, we certainly uh, welcome you to register for that. You can register on site. Uh, the early registration's over, so the registration fee is $300, but uh, we do have a lot of folks that uh, register on site, so we, we welcome them to attend. Uh, all of that information is on our web- website at beefcattleshortcourse.com. That's Dr. Jason Clear, coordinator of the Texas A&M Beef Cattle Short Course. We'll have more coverage of the event coming up in the next few days. What happens after chronic wasting disease is found in a deer breeding facility? John True, president of the Texas Deer Association, will tell us coming up on Texas Ag Today. And we need to be careful feeding horses treats that contain sugar. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next 
right here on Texas Ag Today. Why do you listen? I listen to radio to stay up on news, weather, current events around the local community. It keeps me up to date with everything going on in the world. It kind of just takes my mind off of the drive, getting some relevant information that's in time. It's always nice to know what's going on. Okay, what can I do? I'll listen to the what's coming up and you can plan your day. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. You need to be careful feeding horses treats that contain sugar. Dr. Bob Judd tells why. Horses with insulin dysregulation or equine metabolic syndrome must be on a low sugar diet and treats can be a problem. Recent studies show that applesauce coated bread slices added 25% more non-structural carbohydrates to a group of ponies' regular diets. And although the treats did not impact blood insulin levels, they did have an effect on how the pony's intestines absorb simple sugars. So if you have a horse or pony that is on a low non-structural carbohydrate or NSC diet, Be aware that even a small treat can affect their system and is not a good idea. Insulin dysregulated horses release a disproportionate amount of insulin into the bloodstream after meals, especially when the meal includes high concentrations of NSCs. Grains, concentrated feeds, high sugar forages, and many horse treats are high in NSCs. It is common for veterinarians to make dietary recommendations for these horses, but owners may not consider treats a problem, and they can be. The study involves six metabolically healthy horses and four insulin dysregulated horses, and all were fed a diet of forage with the NSC content of 9.9%. The researchers ran a sugar absorption test and then administered sandwich bread coated with applesauce twice a day for 10 days. The levels of D-xylose absorption and glucose-like peptide 2 were increased after the 10 days, indicating that feeding the treats increased the horse's ability to absorb sugar from the intestine. So although the diet was not changed, absorption of the sugars that were present in the diet increased. For this reason, if you have an insulin-resistant horse, do not give treats containing sugar. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. What happens after chronic wasting disease is found in a deer breeding facility here in Texas? Jessica Domel has the answer in today's Wildlife Report. Chronic wasting disease and the regulations implemented because of it are taking a toll on Texas deer breeders. John True, president of the Texas Deer Association, says a positive case of CWD found in a deer breeding facility is a death sentence. It's a very troubling and sad deal for deer breeders to have the investment of time and emotion involved with running a deer farm. And and then one day on a required test, you do it, you turn one in and one happens to be positive. It leads to a a complete depopulation in 99% of the farms so far. They just come in and kill 100% of your animals. And so it's devastating. Definitely, that's a hard impact on our industry. In the past, Texas deer breeders have had to pay for the depopulation of their facilities after a CWD detection. But thanks to new legislation, depopulation will now be paid for by the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department as long as the breeder has been compliant with regulations. The CWD testing requirements, the threat of depopulation, and additional regulations has taken a toll on the deer breeding industry. 
I'm scared to death every day that there's some new rule that someone dreams up just to poke us in the eye. There's 683 breeders currently, down from 980. As president of PDA, that's a very tough pill to swallow, to know that 30% of your industry has decided it was better to get out of business than to, to keep rolling the dice. When you have an agency that rules in emergency orders, that's no way to live. That was John True, president of the Texas Deer Association. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We saw some nice gains to wrap up the week on Friday in the cattle market. We'll check out all of Friday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Why do you listen? Anytime I'm talking to a friend about new music and I don't know what it is, it's probably because they were listening to radio and I was. I'm nosy. I like to know what's going on and radio usually is right there telling me what and when is going on and where it's going on. Oh, listen in the barn, skid loader, tractor, and just about anywhere you can. When you put the lights on in the barn, the radio went on. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market ended on an upswing. To wrap up the trade on Friday, we were higher in both live and feeder cattle with triple-digit gains. October live cattle wrapped up the week 240 higher at 180.90. October live cattle up $1.60 at 182.90. December up $1.50 to close the week at $187.05. Same thing on the feeder cattle. August feeders up $1.57, $249.52. September feeder cattle up $1.80, $253.45. The October up $2 at $255.42. Cash fed cattle market, same thing that we saw the previous week. Uh, we got all the way to Friday and didn't have any fed cattle cash sales to report here in the Southern Plains. Now, when we look up north, we've seen some sales in Iowa and Nebraska, 188 to 190 on a live basis. Dressed prices reported at 294 to 296. That is steady to a buck higher than the previous week. Perhaps we had some late Friday trade or some trade over the weekend that we can report on here on a Monday. Boxed beef prices lower on Friday. Choice down 13 cents, 301.88. Select down a dollar two at 277.29. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Carl Herman sells on Thursday. They're in Caldwell, Texas. Carl, how did this week's sale turn out for you and the family? You know, we had a good sale yesterday, Larry. We had uh, 1,150 head for 152 sellers and 48 buyers. Uh, had a, a 175 cows and bulls. Slaughter cows 70 to 130. Slaughter bulls 85 to 128. Stalker cows 900 to 14.75. And pairs 1,100 to 16.50. On the calf side, two to three weight steers brought 230 to 270. Three to four weights, 230 to 287. Four to five weight steers, 230 to 280. 
five to six weights, 220 to 245. The six and seven weight steers brought 210 to 227, and the seven to eight weights, 180 to 217. Uh, on the heifer side, two to three weights, 220 to 255. Three to four weights, 230 to 285. Four to five weight heifers brought 220 to 247. Five to six weights, 210 to 230. Six to seven weight heifers, $2 to 222. And the seven to eight weights, 170 to 210. Overall, had a good day, uh, a lot of good cattle, and we look forward to the next week. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you for that next sale in Caldwell on a Wednesday, Carl. Okay, my number is 979-820-5349. Call the barn, 567-4119. If you're in the Giddings and surrounding area, call uh, Max Ebner at 540-8676. We appreciate it. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Neighbor looks to me like that's it for Walking the Pins, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. My name's Larry Marble. I put it together for him. You're listening to us right this second on Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs finished higher Friday. August was up two cents, 101.02. October hogs up a dollar two at 83.07. Class three milk was higher. August milk up 17 cents, 17.26 a hundred weight. September milk up 29 at 1748.100. The cotton market drifted lower on Friday, continuing to feel the fallout from the drop in the U.S. credit rating earlier in the week. We close with the nearby October contract down a point, 85.27. December cotton down 41 at 84.29. Corn market was slightly higher, getting support. On news that Ukraine damaged a Russian naval ship in a busy Russian port. We close with September corn up three and a half, 484 and a quarter. December corn up three and three quarters, 497 and a quarter. Wheat market was mixed Friday. Hard wheat had a double-digit drop, while the soft wheat market gained ground. September Kansas City wheat down 15 cents, 752 and a half. September Chicago wheat up six. At 6.33 a bushel. In the energy markets Friday, September natural gas was up a penny, 2.58. September West Texas crude up $1.14 at 82.69 a barrel. Stock market was lower on Friday afternoon. The Dow down 165 points, 35.50. The NASDAQ down 48 points at 13,907. The S&P down 24 at 4,476. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.